of all of these um, oaths of office that were requested, none of them in the entire cabinet um, are valid. It's a pattern of conduct, Sean. It's statistically impossible for all of them to be defected, and yet it is so. Every act they did, according to this statute, every act that they did is void ab initio. That means it didn't happen. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here with breaking news. That was attorney Todd Callender. When we consider the coup that occurred during the last presidential election, it leaves us wondering what kind of government or lack thereof we have. Well friends, Todd may have the smoking gun here that proves treason. It appears to be the case that not one of the demon rats in the Biden administration has a properly executed oath of office. And if that's the case, This is the smoking gun of their treason. Please spread this far and wide, friends. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. Noble Gold Investments have made it their mission to stay on top of the most important economic news. Now, there were three bank runs in the last month. These are the second and third largest bank runs in U.S. history. The government is claiming to be taking steps to guarantee all deposits. But the bottom line is this, more money printing. The Fed is sitting on unrealized losses of $1.2 trillion on their $8.3 trillion bond portfolio. And it looks like the Fed may continue to raise interest rates, even if that means tanking the economy. These are frightening times. But do you know who are the ones who are not afraid? The people that have invested in gold with Noble Gold Investments. Now remember, there's always a risk of investment and there's no guarantee of any kind. So do your own due diligence. But I myself own precious metals. Gold is the most stable asset outside of any government control. And if you like silver, that's an option too. Thousands have approached Noble Gold Investments to get their hands on gold. Hurry and go to noblegoldinvestments.com to secure your wealth now. And if you qualify, you can bag a free 5-ounce America the Beautiful coin with each gold or silver IRA. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here with breaking news. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Guys, I have attorney Todd Callender on the line with very, very powerful, incredible blockbuster information. We know we have a criminal government, right? There's a puppet in the White House pretending to be president who did not get 81 million votes. We know that, right? Okay, we can all agree on that. Did you realize that his son is also a criminal? Sure, of course you did. Joe Biden is a criminal, says ex-Obama whistleblower, alleging family kickback scheme. Great. We all know it's true. The mainstream horror media will continue to run cover for these people. But Todd has even more blockbuster information to share. Would you believe, friends, that the entire administration appears to be a puppet administration? Todd just filed a very important writ of quo warranto. What is, so I know this is, you know, there's some Latin in here or whatever, but what is yeah. a petition for writ of quo warranto? What does that even so mean? So it, it goes back, um, I think, is all the way to the, the Roman Empire days, where it, it's a petition for somebody to prove they have authority. And so you, this, is, this has been a human problem for thousands of years. People usurp authority and say, I am the, the, the law here. And this is where people go to court and say, on what basis do you call yourself the law? Right? We're questioning their authenticity, and that's where this comes from. And in what court was this filed? Where was this filed? This was filed with the U.S. attorney who has um, – we're not allowed to file it with court yet. We have to file it either with the AG or the U.S. attorney, so says the statute. And should they fail to do their job, then we get to go to the court. So we filed it with the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., served it on him, in fact, um, Wednesday afternoon – and uh, we're going to give him 10 days to do his job. And if he doesn't do his job, then we will petition the court directly. Um, let me give you a little bit of background on this. Lisa McGee, who you know, she's one of our researchers at Vax Choice, a, a really studious, wonderful person who researches things down to the, you know, the letter, literally. Um, about two years ago, was working with us on these bond claims in Colorado, principally. She joined the, the Mama Bears to uh, take people out of these school board seats or, or trying to you know, uh, claim on their bonds for their malfeasance. And as we went down this road, and it wasn't just Colorado, it was Western states generally, we came to find that about half the people that were holding these positions of power 
whether that was county commissioner or, or head of the school board, whatever the case, they all had an obligation to have a sworn oath of office. And, and one would one would conclude this is what you would do if you are representing the government, if you have a duty to the state of Colorado for sake of argument, to the government and to the people of Colorado, wouldn't you want to make sure that this person had an allegiance uh, to fulfill the, the, that job and those duties? And, and so we found that about half of them didn't have a, a valid um, oath of office, a required piece. It's a required document. Uh, there's legislation that talks about this. So about a year ago, um, Lisa being Lisa started asking, you know, uh, well, if those people don't have an oath of office, then who else doesn't? And she um, she sent a Freedom of Information Act request to the U.S. Department of Defense. Um, and they came up with all kinds of reasons why they couldn't produce the Secretary of Defense's oath of office. Um, and we were just preparing to sue. Uh, nine months later, <laughs> they produced one. But um, it's a defective one. And in the process of producing that, in came the other oaths of office that she had requested, except for the fact that some of them just wrote back and said there is no oath of office. The, the, uh, the FOIA team at the Department of Treasury and the Department of Transportation, um, they literally just wrote back to us and said, the, no, there's no, there's no written oath of office. And I don't mean to laugh, but this is absurd. The statute is absolutely clear on this. It's operative and, and, um, and it's compulsory. It's mandatory. You don't get to just not make your or take your oath of office. Look it up for yourself. It's 5 USC. USC stands for United States Code, Section 3332. Um, and a, a verbal oath of office isn't good enough. The statute requires it to be written with certain characteristics. There are certain words that have to be stated uh, there's three paragraphs in particular that, that go along with this, one of which is nobody's paid me to, to take this job. Uh, my oath is uh, of allegiance to the United States, uphold the Constitution. And um, it has to be notarized, so says the statute. It's got to be written and it's got to be notarized. And of all of these um, oaths of office that were requested, none of them in the entire cabinet um, are valid. None of them. We, to be fair, I believe it's the Department of Labor or Agriculture. I can't remember which one is missing. We don't have that one back yet. We don't have a response back yet. But the Department of Defense, you know, they played games with us for nine months. Wouldn't you think, Sean, the very first thing that you would do if you were you know, taking over the job of Secretary of Defense, the very first thing you do would, would be to complete that job? And maybe frame it, stick it on a wall, make sure that there was a fancy seal and a stamp on it and a notary. Everybody's a notary. How come none of these are notarized? Not one of them are notarized. Um, and we we went to serve this on the U.S. attorney. The statute under the uh, the writ quo warranto uh, provisions says that when you seek such a petition, you send it to either the U.S. attorney or the attorney general. Um, and we couldn't send this. Uh, this request to the attorney general because his oath of office is also defective. So, in fact, according to his uh, written oath of office, it's not even there's no date of appointment. So I guess he's not you know, serving as attorney general, according to this piece of evidence. And it's not like we're making this up in the, the document that I sent to you in the document that we had personally served on the U.S. attorney. Uh, we hired people to do that, just like I was filing a you know court case. This is effectively the prelude to a court case. Uh, you know, it it states in there. Here are the exhibits. It goes on for a hundred pages, by the way, including the exhibits. And so this is not me saying this. When when you read through the the complaint, you will find that it lays out all the reasons why they have to have it, and we demonstrate what's wrong with the ones that uh, that we did receive, and those are appended as exhibits to this thing, so you can see for yourself. And what, what blows me away is all of the machinations these people that received the, the FOIA request went through to stop us. I mean, and, and in several cases, they just didn't answer at all. Uh, you know, so I, I don't mean to be flippant or laughing about this in a, in a rude way. I just find it to be absolutely absurd. It's a bizarro world because when you think through the consequences of this, that every act they did, according to this statute, every act that they did is void ab initio. That means it didn't happen. 
So I'd love to play the what if game with you. Um, let's take Secretary Austin, for example. If you went back to that very day when there was this public event and he was uh, you know, sworn in, so to speak, not officially, not accurately, not effectively, but sworn in, what acts thereafter would you love to see voided? Would you love to see undone? I mean, I've got my own favorites, but I would love to hear if you had some. Well, how about vaccine mandates for military members? Sure. How about That's illegal wars not approved by Congress or the Senate? How about, yep. I, I mean, there's a litany of crimes that this administration is responsible for committing. And uh, so you're saying that Joseph Robinette Biden, the man masquerading as the president, he's a puppet who did not get 81 million votes. There is no clear oath of office. There is no record official. In the case of Biden, in the case of Biden, we didn't ask that question. We did, however, ask that question as, a, as to the vice president. So Kamala so, Harris, Kamala right. Harris, no official oath of office. No that's valid right. oath of office in written form? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. And this, it, you, you have the evidence yourself. And the same is true with A.G. Merrick Garland, who is committing crimes against Christians and conservatives, targeting his political opposition. Well, I would encourage you to you know, go to that exhibit, and you can look for yourself. There, there is no um, appointment date on that exhibit, right? So it, it's void um facially void because they're according to this document which is the required piece before you get to do your job um you actually have to sign this thing and and so even though it's signed it is not notarized and on top of that there is no appointment date which would demonstrate to me that he is in fact not lawfully appointed at this moment in time well, let's look at that in a second. Maybe you can tell me where to go in this 100-page yeah. document. But I just want to read this right here. So for those individuals who do not produce the 5 U.S. Code 3332 affidavit within 10 days, as described above, as well as those who have admitted they do not possess the requisite affidavit and those who have produced defective affidavits, here's what needs to happen. Immediately terminate their appointments or positions, fire them, render all official acts, bills, laws, regulations, or any official actions whatsoever, including the appointment of any subordinates, that includes cross-dressers and trans people, void, ab, initio, and replace and restore all proper former office holders until competent replacements can be lawfully appointed. There appears to be a shadow government that is now running the show here. And it does make me wonder if the true, real, actual president isn't still Donald J. Trump. But anyway, where do you want to go in this document? See, I think that's really important. Let's go to Exhibit L. I believe that is page, standby one, that's page 82. This is um, the Attorney General's um, correspondence with his office. So one of the things you'll note while you're while you're getting there is you look at these and everybody can look at these right we we published them everywhere I am quite confident that you'll put that in the link so people can look for themselves um, is that despite the fact that this is a you know supposed to be notarized you find that there is no no notarial stamp there is no expiration date of their commission um, and you don't know who it is that signed it anyway. Right, there's no name. We, we, how are we going to go and ask this person? You know, are you a notary? Well, if you're a notary, why didn't you stamp it as being a notary? Um, and by the way, the appointment date, you dated the, the instrument yourself, whoever it was that witnessed it, but, but there's no date of appointment. What does that mean? Um, you know, there's just too many questions, and the statute is really clear. And for purposes of the law, um, you know, people will say, well, it's not notarized, but, you know, it's witnessed. Well, it's not good enough. The statute says it has to be notarized, and the law itself says that when you have to present papers to a court, such as the one that we're seeking, this, that's the Federal District Court of uh, Washington, D.C., should the U.S. attorney fail in their job, um, there's only two ways you can prove an, an affidavit, that it's valid. Either number one, it is notarized, or number two, it is sworn under penalty of perjury. And you, what you will find in this particular one, you're looking at it right now, is there is no um, penalty of perjury mentioned there. It just simply isn't notarized. So it's defective is what I'm saying to you. And if you go up slightly, you'll see that there is no appointment date. 
So I suppose yeah. what that means is that um, this person is not officially doing their job. And what, look, it's it's a pattern of conduct, Sean. It's statistically impossible for all of them to be defected, and yet it is so. What does that tell you about the government that, that is running our country right now if none of them did this? And I think there's a, an important legal analysis that goes to that. We would look to, for instance, um, the, the jury instructions for treason. If you were prosecuting somebody for treason, there are elements to that crime you would have to prove. One of those is that the, the person you're prosecuting had a duty. How does one demonstrate that duty? Well, that's what this oath is about. They are affirming their duty. They are recognizing it, saying, yes, I agree to it. Here's my signature. Here's the, the notary to prove that this is my affidavit. And what I'm trying to say to you is that without, with this being deficient, without it being effective, I think that they actually have a defense as to whether or not their conduct is treasonous or not. At the very minimum, my co-counsel, good guy by the name of Ken Ferguson, former prosecutor, um, he did a lot of the heavy lifting on this. Um, he makes a very good point in, in all of this, that it's an either or equation, either this is treason or this is impersonating a federal official, right? And in the case of this one, he's impersonating a law enforcement officer. That is a crime. So one way or another, we, we arrive back at the same place, and you'll see in our prayer for relief um, that we say, look, um, why don't you get rid put these people off to the side? You know, do what you're going to do. It says the, the statute says this is civil. Okay, so we put them off to the side. And... Um, bring in the last people who did have a valid oath of office. And I'm sitting here scratching my head, and I'm wondering how far back does this go, Sean? Uh, and the answer to that question is we're asking. Those questions are being asked as we speak. I would highly encourage all of your listeners to do the same. File your own Freedom of Information Act request and, and do that of all of the people who are in these positions of power who, who are acting as decision makers. And let's all find out exactly who do these people serve. Because if there isn't a, a properly executed oath of office, they're not serving us. More so, if you think about uh, going back to your, your issue with Secretary Austin, I'm not sure we should refer to him as such, Mr. Austin. Um, you know, what happens to all of the people under his command? Right? Who, who is it that they serve? They're supposed to serve the United States of America, but whose orders are they following? And we know, together we know, that the international health regulation amendments are effectively moving um, responsibility for public health under uh, Secretary Austin because it's now a defense health agency responsibility. And, and he is obliged, as I understand it, to carry out the orders of the WHO and the director in particular. So when this Marburg pandemic or whatever the next scary disease is that rolls out, um, who's going to be issuing orders, who's going to be following them. And if we have unlawful people um, serving these positions, wouldn't that necessarily make all of their orders likewise illegal and unlawful and therefore not enforceable? That's what we're after. At the end of the day, what, what this is all about, some people in uniform, people carrying a badge and a gun, people working regulatory agencies, who are you serving? Whose orders are you following and why? Right? If they're not there lawfully, then should you be doing anything, they say. All of the regulations, this is where regulations come from, right? They, they come from the administrative branch. All of those created and signed by these people are there for what? Void. I mean, imagine the consequences of this, if, if it is so. And we asked the U.S. attorney because we don't have an independent right to make this case uh, until we go through that process. If the, if the U.S. attorney fails to do anything about this, then, uh, then we will certainly petition the court directly um, to, to effectuate our prayer for relief, which is to remove these people and install uh, or reinstall the last people who had an effective oath of office. And I can't tell you, I don't know how far back that goes. Oh, my God. All right. I want to do a screen share and then just ask you something. So, you know, I've maintained since that last election in 2020 in the wee hours of the morning with the hockey stick charts and everything, they literally stole it. So I tweeted this today as fate would have it. A 78-year-old, two-time loser, campaigns from his basement. 
picks the most unpopular vice president in modern history, receives the most votes of any candidate in history at 4 a.m., confirmed in the middle of the night an empty inauguration, (laughs) 20,000 troops to protect him, and no one is allowed to question any part of it. Todd, I have maintained since that election that it was a coup. So if that is the case, which we both believe is true, then this is what we would expect to see, right? We would expect to see a government pretending to be the official government of the people of the Republic of the United States. But if there are no properly executed oaths of office, then, well, we know we have a coup. It's a government by coup d'etat. So help us understand here, because you say that this is not a properly executed oath of office, even though I do see oath of office. I will support and yeah. defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Explain to That's us right. one more time. Why is this not properly executed? Why is this invalid? Well, this has two defects. The, the first defect, it is not notarized. It's required to be notarized. And if not notarized, it's required to be sworn under penalty of perjury. Neither of those things exist. Secondarily, um, there is no date of appointment. When precisely did this person's duty um, begin? Right, That's missing. And, and furthermore, how would we find out who this witness is anyway? Where's the witness's name? Right. And does, the, does this witness have the power? Is this witness sufficient for purposes of the statute um, to, you know, to effectively, and I mean effectively specifically, um, witness this document? And the answer is no. The statute says it has to be notarized. Right? When, you, when we go to court, if, if I were to call you as a witness in court, you giving an affidavit would have to either swear that affidavit under penalty of perjury, or you would have to have it notarized, or the court would throw it out as non-evidence. It doesn't count. It's kind of like, you know, the, the next closest thing I can explain to you is this. If, if you go to court and you, you get a judgment against you, you have 30 days to appeal that judgment. If you try to appeal it on day 31, the court will kick it out. At the end of the day, it all lands back to the court. So if the U.S. attorney doesn't do their job, um, we will be going to court, and then we will present this evidence to the court along with the statute, and and the court is going to have to apply those very same rules. It is an either-or question. (laughs) Is it authenticated through notarization as required by the statute, or is it not? And facially, it is not. None of them are. So, look, I'd love to be wrong about this only in so much as I believe in our, our institutions. I believe in our government as a, as a safekeeper of the American people. But I, I don't believe that any of these people are acting in our best interest. Um, and this is really just evidence of that in my mind. So here's Lloyd Austin's. This one's a little bit different. At least it has the date appointed entered into it. But again, we don't know who this signature is of the witness. We don't know what the, who is this person? We have no idea, right? No idea. And it is not notarized. Where's the seal? Where's the commission my expires date? It's not notarized. And if it is not notarized, then where does it say under penalty of perjury? Is there anything else in this 100-page document you want us to show the audience? I mean, look, this is is jaw-dropping information, but none of us should be surprised because this government, this fake government has already proved to the people that they are operating outside the boundaries of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as they target their political enemies. So we know now that we live in a banana republic, and they are looting the Treasury. They are laundering money through Ukraine. They're laughing at us. So thank God you're standing in the gap here. Just, again, precious few people. I can name on one hand how many of you guys, how many of you attorneys out there are standing in the gap trying to defend the American people against this criminal government. Yeah, thank you for that. Robert Barnes, Tom Renz, and you. There's three. So, (laughs) you know, what? the sad part since we started this fight, Sean, I I think I've counted 100 lawyers on, on this side of our fight against, you know, in Colorado where I'm a licensed lawyer, I think there's 30,000 of us that are licensed. Um, I can think of three that are on our side of the fight from Colorado and maybe a hundred inside the United States. You know, the, the deck is stacked against us. What does that say about my profession? It's really quite tragic. So one of my favorites of this, pieces of evidence, go to page 55. This is, the, this is the response from the Department of Transportation as it relates to Lisa's request. And um, you will see in paragraph two, 
please note, there is not a signed paper copy of the oath of office that Secretary Buttigieg took upon taking office. However, we'll provide you with a link to the video of him taking the oath. You can find the video here. <laughs> so they, they just, they, they, you know, admit this is facially so, right? The, the, we don't really have to question whether we're going to get a deficient one because um, that secretary just decided not to bother you know, to take their oath or comply with the statute as, as it may be. Um, the other one that's similar to that one is the, uh, the Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen. Um, they say the same thing. Which is um, no, there's there's no there's no copy, there's no written oath of office. Uh, <laughs> and I, again, I apologize. That's on page twenty eight. Okay, and it's more or less the same response. Um, you know, the, the, there's no written oath. So that's on page uh, twenty seven. You'll see it there. Um, so they didn't even they didn't even bother to try to comply. Right, that's what I find to be just so absurd. It, you know, every person going into public service at a cabinet level position must know this. And if they don't, they've got teams of lawyers that tell them these kinds of things. And this is my point for all of these to be facially void. Void is a matter of law. I, I think that they all receive counsel telling them, you know, don't sign this thing. Um, because if you do, yep. right, it's a statistic impossibility otherwise. You know, how. How can it be, Sean? And, and then on top of that, as you read through these exhibits, um, there's a lot of them here, but not all of them. What you will find is that there's a pattern of conduct um, that the people responding to the FOIA request, it's almost as though they compared notes with each other, with the other you know, agencies. The, the first response you get out of a lot of them is that, oh, this document you're asking for. Lisa asked for one document, right? This document you're asking for uh, could be spread over multiple agencies. And for this reason, we are availing ourselves to the, the extension of time limitations to respond uh, because we have to ask other agencies. So in the case of the Secretary of Defense, for example, we left that, that in there so you can see the correspondence. You know, they said, well, this is going to take a long time to find. I'm sorry, but the very first official act you do is the signature of this oath of office. Wouldn't you, you know, get it stamped and framed and stuck on the wall? It should be very easy to come by. It's probably the first piece of paper in the file. Um, wouldn't you think the Office of Personnel Management would have a copy? Hey, friends, just a quick break and a word about our sponsor. I think most of you know that de-dollarization has begun, but most of your friends, neighbors, and colleagues probably don't. The dollar's dominance is fading by the day. China, Brazil, India, Japan, even France have announced they're moving away from dollars as the major trade unit. The writing's on the wall, and these are scary times. But do you know who are the ones who are not afraid? The people that have invested in gold with Noble Gold Investments. Now remember, there's always a risk of investment, and there's no guarantee of any kind. So do your own due diligence. But I myself own precious metals. Gold is the most stable asset outside of any government control. And if you like silver, that's an option too. Thousands have approached Noble Gold Investments to get their hands on gold. Hurry and go to noblegoldinvestments.com to secure your wealth now. And if you qualify, you can bag a free 5-ounce America the Beautiful coin with each gold or silver IRA. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Yeah, this is why I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm dumbfounded because... This only makes perfect sense if yeah. there was a coup and they've been instructed not to sign a properly executed oath of office lest they be tried for treason for That's violating right. that oath. That's right. Oh, my God. So if we go back to this one with Janet Yellen, by the way, she just loots this country and says she will bank. She will back certain banks, not your little bank, surf, but the big banks. Um, same thing here. They're saying, yes, here's her YouTube Video? Here's a YouTube video yeah. of her being sworn in? Guess and they think that'll official. suffice, huh? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's their position. So let's go back to this this quandary, this, this what-if thing. It's worth the, the mental gymnastics and machinations to try and figure this out because people um, can, can reason for themselves and maybe we can all come up with a solution. And that is um, who last had the authority because now we know that there's a crime. Right. We've we've submitted it to a, a head law enforcement officer in our government 
who may choose to do nothing about it. Let us assume that we go to a court who also says we're not going to do anything about it. We'll certainly appeal it and we'll, we'll do all the things we're supposed to do, probably with much the same result that we've all gotten trying to stop the shots, which is, you know, good luck. We're going to put it off to the side and we'll deal with you another day. Well, this is what's called probable cause in the criminal world. A law enforcement officer can look at this and they could issue an arrest warrant. Uh, they actually, a court can issue arrest warrant, but, but police have an independent power to arrest where there is probable cause to do so. Um, and, and it's clear that a crime has been committed. If they don't have this oath of office, then they're impersonating an official. That's crime. So who is going to enforce this, right? Out of the, the genocide the, that we've been living through for the last three years, there is no law enforcement in the United States that's willing to, to take up this charge. It's clear that people were poisoned. It's clear that it was intentional, and yet nobody's being held accountable. And, and this, I think, lends itself to understanding that, uh, particularly when you see that Secretary Becerra also has a, um, a void, a, a defective oath of office. So what I'm trying to get at is this, who is the last person who actually did swear an oath of allegiance? Who's the last person that we can point to and say, you know what, that guy did actually do his job. He actually did look after the country, had the country's best uh, interests at heart and mind. And I think that that I think that trio leads to President Trump. Now, having said that, I, I've got concerns over the whole vaccine thing. Um, but I would like to know if his oath of office was also uh, properly done. Uh, and for that matter, the, the vice president, Pence, I'd like to know that question, too. You've got all your digital warriors here. Um, I think people should should start foying all of those things themselves. And uh, should the, they get the runaround like we did? There are form lawsuits on the Department of Justice's website. We carry them also at, at uh, fivesmallstones.com where you can file a lawsuit and force these agencies to respond to you. It's actually a fairly simplistic process. So, uh, you know, kind of like what we did with the military members where 400,000 service members said no to the shots. If 400,000 people start papering the crap out of these agencies saying, I want to see your, your uh, sworn affidavit. Um, I think we're going to get a message across to people that, that we want our country back. We're not going to live under a fraud. Secondarily to that, I want people wearing a badge and a gun and a uniform um, to understand who do you work for. Are you actually now a mercenary? If so, I would be terribly angry about that. Right? Why did you join the military? Why did you uh, join a police force? Why did you become a deputy law enforcement officer, a federal agent? You know, most all of those people did it because they, they had our country at heart, uh, and now they've been slapped in the face. So I would love for them to, to find their courage. Go and make an arrest you know, or, or get involved. Start asking the questions yourself. Open an investigation. Don't take my word for it. You've got probable cause. Open an investigation yourself. I, I would like to say this is unbelievable, but it's not. All right. We know there was a coup. We know we have a banana republic government. We know we have a puppet president and a nearly brain dead vice president who is not a serious person in any way, shape or form. And here we sit now wondering if they've all see. Here's the thing, because it would be an anomaly if it was one. It would be a That's pattern right. if there were several. But all of them? That none of these people have taken a properly executed oath of office, and that just it proves. Let's that look at it this way. Let's look at it this way. How many people do you know that are notaries? I mean, it's, it must be a lot because yeah. they, they hand them out like candy. Yeah, there's one right How? at my, my banker. My guy at my bank can do it. And by the way, if I was ever appointed to a position in the government yeah. by Donald yeah. J. Trump, I would proudly sign my oath of office, and I would proudly display it on my office wall, as you just said. I would be proud of it because I would be proud to serve the people of the Republic of the United States of America. That's right. But these people are, I think, beholden to some corporation. There's a corporate entity in Washington, D.C. that may have usurped we the people in the Republic many, many decades ago. Uh, but I do agree with you that I think Donald J. Trump probably did sign an actual oath of office. We shall see. We shall see. And, and my, my point was really simply this. How hard was it to sign this thing and get some, somebody to notarize it? No. I mean, come on, really? 
They didn't want to. They, they, that's exactly the point. I mean, you, you, like you said, your bankers are generally those. A lot of lawyers are those. Um, and you're in Washington, D.C., where you know, notarization of things is compulsory all the time. But, you know, in each one of these particular agencies, there must be dozens, dozens of people that are notary publics. Come on. And they just didn't do it? Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help myself from laughing. It's really tragic. Um, it, it, it just blows my mind. But as you absorb the, you know, the real impact of this, what are the consequences of this? You know, what do, what do our enemy nations think about this? You know, they've got intelligence people. Are you kidding me? You don't think they know this? Right. No wonder why they laugh at us. We're, right. Are we really this stupid? So what do you hope to get out of this petition, number one? And number two, do you think the U.S. Marshal Service could do anything about this? Is there any avenue they could. within the existing government or some branch of government that can do something about this? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I hadn't thought about the marshals. I, I was saddened to see that they got moved under the Department of Justice some years ago. I think it was a dozen or so years ago. Um, which is tragic because they were the first federal law enforcement agency. They were always independent uh, and they had extraordinarily broad jurisdiction. And and now they're under the DOJ, which has been politicized. So, you know, there's a whole lot of good agents working inside of the law enforcement, the federal government, all of whom are stymied because the top of all the law enforcement agencies, whether that's, you know, in treasury or otherwise, it all ends up in the DOJ and, and that's where the prosecutors are. So you look at you know, George Soros et al., who put their own district attorneys in all the states. It seems that they've gotten control of um, the levers of law enforcement as well. So if you were going to commit a genocide, if you were going to commit a, a coup, wouldn't you do the same thing? Wouldn't you make sure that those people were working for you? And I think that's the point that you're really making. You know, as I think about a title for this video, do you think this is over the top? I'm asking you this seriously. Smoking gun, treason with a question mark? Or is it just smoking gun, treason with a period? Yeah, no, I think the question mark is the right way to go because, you know, we're asking the, the U.S. attorney, you know, please look at our evidence, do your own investigation. And if you find um, the, that what we're saying is so is accurate and that the statute is clear on this, then, then either go and, and have these people present you with their oath of office dated on the date they were appointed and notarized or remove them and make all of their official acts void. Now, if the U.S. attorney doesn't want to do that, um, you know, the, the next avenue is we have an independent right to petition the court to do that very same thing. And it's, the, it's actually the U.S. attorney that will be seeking the court to do that. It's a writ to the court. But um, you know, they have an obligation, you know, they're also in the law enforcement business. They have an obligation to, to follow and enforce the laws of our government. So I hope, I really sincerely hope that they'll do that. And my second hope with that is the reason why we're talking now, I would like to see public pressure where people call up, um, the U S attorney, uh, in Washington, DC and ask them about this, Right. These are these are legitimate questions, and, and if the if these people have a, an answer, great. You know, then I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a complete idiot. Please forgive me. But it it wasn't us making this up. All we've done is point out the responses that we got to legitimate questions, and point out that the statute says this. Please show us where we're wrong. Well, five U.S.C. section three 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 two should suffice, right? To suggest that you're not insane, you're not crazy, you're asking important questions based on the fact that a verbal oath of office, a YouTube video showing them swearing an allegiance on a Bible, that's not enough, that's not good enough. It must be written, signed, and notarized. And none of them, none of these creatures, these demon creatures in Biden's cabinet have done that. Not a single one. How hard? How hard would it be to, to just follow the law? That is the depressing part about this. And it goes to your point, Sean, which is that, you know, this is a pattern. Um, Very clearly, this was intentional uh, because, you know, one defective one. okay, but all of them. And then the frustration in the FOIA uh, request process. It took nine months for the DOD to provide us this defective oath of office. Nine months. So. You know, come on, it's a, it's a runaround. And, and in one particular case, I can't remember which agency it was, 
they um, they said, oh, here's our subcontractors. They handle all the FOIA requests. Well, guess what? You don't get to do that. The law actually says that a lawyer has to parse these because there are exceptions um, to providing the, the information in a FOIA, and it takes a deliberate analysis and reasons. The burden is on them. When you ask the question, the burden is on them to prove why they don't have to provide you the information, and that's why a lawyer is required. So uh, Lisa started asking these people, your subcontractors, well, who's, who's the lawyer? Show me your credentials. They could not provide their credentials because they didn't have them. So going back to the, the, the whole point, this is flaunting what we call the law. We write all these words down. We put it through a legislative process so that we can all live peacefully by the same rules. They're just making it up as they go along. And somehow or other, Everybody in the United States is you know, going down the road. Okay, you know the, the Secretary of Transportation said that you know all pilots should get their shots because they're safe and effective. The chief flight surgeon of the FAA um, said the same thing. We filed an Inspector General uh, complaint. Two of them, as a matter of fact, from a senior FAA whistleblower who I think you know. Um, and and what did the Inspector General's office do for the for the DOT? We're not interested. They didn't even respond to the second complaint. So we're being shut down across the board. And this is my point all along, Sean. It's time to opt out. We have a choice here. We can go along with the sham. And if we do that, then frankly, we deserve to to suffer the fate that goes with that. Or we can say no and we invalidate it. We opt out until such time as leadership, valid leadership says, follow me, this is the way. Otherwise, we don't have to participate in this because everything they're telling you you must do is void as a matter of law. Stop listening to them. Oh, man. Is there any chance that something like this could make its way to the U.S. Supreme Court? Not sure. that I have a lot of faith that SCOTUS would do jack diddly. They like to throw the most important cases back to lower courts, I swear to God. But yeah. Uh, I mean, geez, it just I guess if this were a movie, we're in the ninth inning as the Republic is falling, uh, being destroyed from within. And if it were a movie with a happy ending, somebody would do something right quick and arrest all these damn people. I think that's exactly the point, is that at some point in the history, there was one of these officers. There was an attorney general who took the oath of office, who was properly seated. And that's what the statute says. You reinstall that person to take over the job. Let's find out who that person is. Let's put them back in, in power as they should be and sort this thing out. And if they if they choose not to do that, then what does it say about them? Are they really a patriot? You know, or did they ever deserve to be in that position? And the scary part, Sean, is when you go down this road and you start thinking about this, how far back does this go? You know, we've talked about the the creation, the, the bipartisan cooperation to create the laws to force us into this cattle chute, this, this box canyon called public health. Um, all of the laws were crafted so that upon declaration of this public health emergency becomes a dictator. The Secretary of Health and Human Services has plenary power and they become a dictator. No, no legislation applies, no judicial review applies. That's it. It took not less than 40 years, probably 50 years worth of, uh, of legislative efforts to, to make that happen. You know, the operative language, look it up for yourself, don't listen to me, is 42 CFR Part 70 and 71. When that declaration is made, um, your rights are surrendered. They, they don't exist. And we don't have to question, right, whether or not that's so. We lived through it. You know, the, the public health emergency of international concern was declared. Next thing you know, you're locked in your house. You can't go to church. But if you want to get a lap dance, make sure you're wearing your mask. Right. So the, the scary part about this is, is that we have this fiction. Right. The other day, uh, the president said, OK, we're no longer under a COVID emergency yet. At this very moment, we remain under a monkeypox emergency. So those powers didn't disappear. They've hung on to these powers. Our Constitution remains suspended. And you can be assured that next public health emergency of international concern is right around the corner. They're already telling doctors <clears throat> across the United States, issues from, um, it's, a, it's a mandate from the CDC, hey, doctors, look out for Marburg symptoms. What does that tell you? Right? We already know there's a Marburg outbreak in Africa. We already know that some 300 people a day are being flown into the United States from there. We already know Marburg has a 32-day incubation period. Right? This is just the next COVID. 
Uh, and this one is going to be scarier because if people actually have the disease, they'll bleed from their orifices and it'll be quite obvious. Having said all of that, we know that everywhere they've tested the Marburg and Ebola quote-unquote vaccines, there's a Marburg or a Ebola pandemic. We also know the contents of those shots because we've been studying them. And sure enough, full of hydrogel, they're full of the very same uh, proteins that, that cause that disease, starting with death-associated protein 6. Right? It's in them. We have all of the, the details. We have all the evidence. We have their own materials, the scientific studies. We have been poisoned for decades on purpose. Well, that's right. And uh, I'll just do one screen share in uh, memory of this young man, because I've got Dr. William Makis coming on the show here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, Boise, Idaho, 17-year-old Timberline High School tennis player, Justin Smith, he looks like Justin Bieber, collapses unexpectedly during tennis practice on April 10th, 2023, and he died in the emergency room at 6.20 p.m., leaving a broken hearted family behind and a very wealthy Albert Bourla at Pfizer. I am so sick and tired of this BS, this bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine that is destroying people around the world, literally executing people around the world, Todd. And uh, thank God you're fighting against that too. Yeah, yeah, we are. And I do have a little bit of of hope that I want to share. It's not all dire news. So on Wednesday of this uh, this week, there was a, a an amazing event happened. You know, there are immunity provisions in the PrEP Act that say that anybody involved in the, the COVID countermeasures enjoys the immunities provided them. Right? You're, you're you're a doctor. You're giving remdesivir. You're giving people my dazolam. That's how we kill prisoners when we execute them. Doctors giving it out, and these these COVID countermeasures are covered by immunity provisions, criminal and civil both. Well, San Bernardino County in California, this judge says, no, I don't care about the immunity provisions. This case is going forward. It's it's a case called Ortega versus Redlands Community Hospital. It's the first time in the United States that I have seen this. Um, The the judges, I think, have had enough. And albeit this is not a federal case, um, our case, Robert V. Austin, 10th Circuit Court of Appeals, is still alive. The 10th Circuit has yet to rule. And I think they're in a crunch. They could have tossed us out by now. All of the other cases like it were already thrown out for being moot. Um, Ours survives, and I think it survives only for the reason that we raised the issue that is it true, according to U.S. law, that people that got the shots are now the property of the patent holders? You know, we're saying that violates the 13th Amendment, outlawing slavery. You don't get to own other people. That's the the issue we presented to the court. I argued it orally on the 18th of November. Um, And throughout this process, never once has the DOD denied any of it. Hmm. We said, look, these are gene modification shots. Um, We believe that U.S. law says that the, the result of that, the synthetic product, in other words, the vaxxed people are now a new species, which belongs to the patent holders. Never once did they deny this in a year and a half. And I think that's why the court refuses to rule. Um, There's no good way to answer that question, right? If we're right, then everybody's got the the shots belongs to somebody else. uh, And the the mRNA technology would have to be deemed void as a matter of public policy because it offends our slavery statute, anti-slavery statute. If if we're, you know, if if we've got this uh, right, and um, then what happens to the patent holders, right? What happens to the thousands of patents? What happens to all the money spent, I'm sure trillions of dollars that were spent creating the mechanism by which people could be harvested as batteries, as uh, amplifiers, as transducers and transmitters, so say their patents. Cloud computing nodes, right? That's the famous Bill Gates patent. Yeah. Gates, I should say. So anyway, that it, I have hope because those judges could have just tossed us. We'd be, you know, appealing to the Supreme Court, sitting there for God knows how long, and they haven't done that. I, I think, Sean, that, that people are finally starting to understand that communist revolutions such as this yep. always have a habit of eating their own. Nobody is safe. And if you think your badge and gun are keeping you safe, you know, after this thing unfolds, good luck. You're the first to go. 
right? They get rid of the people that helped them get in power. It's a first order of business. As we wrap it up, Todd, I think that the only way they can get away with what they're trying to do, you know, Russia, Putin, boogeyman, bad, endless wars, good, central bank digital currency, good, mandatory bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, good. If we were all NPCs, they could get away with it. They are not going to get away with it because we know who they are and we know what they're doing and they are enemies of humanity. They are enemies of the Republic and not one damn one of them has a properly executed oath of office. That's right. We know who they are. And, and by the way, if we don't do anything about this, you know, if, if we abdicate this behavior, then I suppose we deserve what we get. Well, they deserve to be rounded up and arrested yes. and tried for their crimes. All right. So says the law. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got the law on your side. I mean, I guess we all do. Now we just need courts and uh, justices who are honest and respect well, we need, the Constitution to do their jobs. Well, we need people to stand up and, and not tolerate this anymore. You know, people have an affirmative obligation to fix this, um, and we must insist that they do. And pending that, stop going along with the program. Stop following. Everything that they've done is void. So stop listening to them. Just carry on your life and, and, and do not participate. All right. Well, as we say our goodbyes, we'll say thank you to Lisa McGee, too, who is she central, did. a fantastic researcher. I've had her on, and uh, she's like your right hand over there. And uh, I really do appreciate and you guys. Ken Ferguson, too. He's my co-counsel on this. Super good guy, former prosecutor, former military, just a, a tremendous lawyer. And I'm, I'm grateful to have this help, too. So thank you, Sean. Well, thank you for coming on and helping us break this news. And thanks for doing what you're doing so that there's news to break. It gives us all a lot of hope. <laughs> it really does. It gives us a lot of hope. And I it really so. helps. It buoys the spirit to know that these people are so overtly criminal and committing treason that they won't even sign the documents that they know would assist <laughs> in getting them hung for their crimes. I think it's very, very interesting and very, very telling. All right, Todd, yeah. thank you so much, man. We yeah, appreciate it. My pleasure. You. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sir. And friends, thank you so much. God bless you, one and all, friends. And for real news every single day, continue to visit us directly, please, at sgtreport.com. Guys, that's the antidote to corporate propaganda and all of those mockingbird mainstream media lies. God bless you and your families. Bye-bye. I want to have babies. (laughs) You want to have babies? It's every man's right to have babies if he wants them. You can't have babies! Don't you oppress me. I'm not oppressing you, Stan. You haven't got a womb. Where's the fetus going to just take? You're going to keep it in a box? They continue to message people who they have riled up. They have uh, 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 enabled them to slink deeper and deeper into their delusions about the world and their place in it. And then they're told people are coming to kill you. I, I don't know how that is going to do anything but create more horror. 